0: We continue today with our foundations for the future. Focusing on those foundational beliefs that make us stronger as a church. That make us stronger as a church. You know, as your pastor, do you know what my hope is? you know what my desire would be at the conclusion of this message or this series? I would hope that any member of this church, maybe anybody who's just uh, been a part of our churches, I would pray that some lost person, some unchurched person, or some person who doesn't know anything about New Hope Church would ask you, what are you all about and what do you all believe? I would pray, I would hope and pray that at the conclusion, conclusion of this, that you'd be able to say, well, let me just tell you, We believe the Bible's our guidebook. We believe that God loves us and has a plan for us. We believe that all people matter to God. And we seek to honor God in all we do. And we believe the local church is the hope of the world. Now, if somebody says, why do you believe that? You should say, because the local church is the only entity on earth that offers Jesus the hope of the world to the world. Man, how powerful would that be? How powerful would that be? We find ourselves, if you look at those five statements, we find ourselves in the middle of our series with this foundation. So if you want to, go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We are in the right in the middle of this journey. On these five statements. So when you get your Bible found to Matthew chapter nine, Jimmy, that's in the New Testament. I got you. <laughs> Look back at the screen because I want you. Here's our title of our message today. Go ahead, Todd. All people matter to God. Now I'm gonna be. Like, I'm gonna pretend like your grandmother and your mother today teaching children. And I want you to repeat that. Would you read that with you? Everybody together. All people matter to God. That was about half of us. Let's try it one more time. All people matter to God. And because repetition is the mother of learning, one last time, all people matter to God. When I was in college, I took acting as one of my courses, and what I discovered is that it depends on where you put the inflection as to, as to discover the meaning. Let me just show you. All people, All people matter to God. 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 And every one of those inflections would work, and that could be the message in and of itself. But you know what I want to tell you, folks? Uh, Let me pause. I need to give a caveat here. I probably need to give it more than you need to hear it. These five core beliefs have been my five core beliefs for over 20 years. And I say that because these were mine. I read somewhere, did a lot of reading and came up with those. Over 20 years ago, it's before black lives matter, before blue lives matter, it's before all lives matter. Do black lives matter? You bet. Do police lives matter? You bet. Do everybody's Does everybody's lives matter? You bet. But for me, this is not a political agenda, a political statement. This is very personal and very practical for me, that all people matter to God. Now, Let me just give you this statement. If all people matter to God, then all people must matter to God's people. Now I'm going to say that again. Thank you, Brent. If all people matter to God, then all people must matter to God's people. And and all these people are found in the words in the heart of our Lord Jesus when he spoke them and he said... For God so loved the that He gave His only Son that... Man, whosoever, whoever, you find it in the words in the heart of Jesus, whoever means anyone, it means everyone, it means all of us. No one left out. When Paul wrote the Galatians, he spoke of there being in Jesus, no Jew nor Greek, Now, you know what that meant in that day? No colors didn't matter. No Jew, no Greek. No slave or free. No male or female. For you are all one, Paul writes, in Christ Jesus. And let me just bring that down before we get to our scripture. You know what that tells us this morning, New Hope? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everybody comes the same way. Everybody has the same invitation. Everybody has the same entrance. And everybody enjoys the same availability to Jesus because he invites everybody. So, with that backdrop, if you have found Matthew chapter 9, very familiar passage, if you can and will, would you stand to honor the reading of God's holy word? We begin in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, many translations say multitudes, same difference. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that today that you will open our eyes and our hearts to the great need and the great opportunity which surrounds us. Lord, move me out of the way. Let us hear no voice but yours, no truth but yours, no words but yours. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come down like a sword and would lance our hearts. If our hearts are hard, I pray that you would cut through the callus. If our, if our hearts are uh, like stone, I pray that you would use the anvil of I pray that you would would touch us at the deepest point of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This small passage of four verses demand our attention because it reveals the heart of our Lord Jesus. It, It reveals his heart because... And the reason that I pull this out is because the heart of mankind, that would be you and me. Because too often, our hearts as the redeemed, as the church member, gets to be one-dimensional. A one-dimensional view of church and, and of, of home and of ministry and even of life especially in the United States, if you were in the deacons' meeting, if you were in the teachers' meeting, you probably heard this last Sunday. We tend to think of our Christian life in terms of programs we are involved in as opposed to the life that we live. We, the life we live, maybe the testimony we possess, the, the, the responsibility that we literally carry, and the privilege that we have in Christ Jesus. So let's unpack these verses. Let's unpack because these verses kind of controlled what Jesus did. And let's apply it to our lives. Let's apply it to our worlds. Let's apply it to each person we meet because every person matters to God. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk down the Scripture and and, and pull some things that I see about Jesus because he is our model. First of all, let's begin with where he went. Where he went. Jesus, where he went. Look at verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages teaching and proclaiming and healing. Did you hear that? Teaching and proclaiming and healing. <coughs> he went everywhere And everywhere he went, he was singularly focused. He taught. He proclaimed. He healed. And he helped. That's the life of Jesus. This is who Jesus was. This is what Jesus did. And if you look there, he taught in the synagogues. He taught in the places where people would actually listen. And what did he teach? What did he demonstrate? What did he show? What did he point people to? The gospel. Brothers and sisters, you know we have the same gospel today? The gospel. It is the, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that lifts people from hell and puts them on the road to heaven. That's the benefit. But it also forgives them of sin. It gives them a new heart. It gives them a companion. I mean, think about it. Guys, don't you like this? Jesus was a carpenter. Wouldn't you like to have a finished piece of cabinet by Jesus? I dare say he was proficient. Would you all agree with that? I mean, he's the one that spoke the world into being. I mean, certainly he can handle a few saws and nails and glue, what have you. But what did he choose to do? He knew that his carpentry was only second nature. The thrust of his life was the gospel the good news it was the news they had waited for it was a part of part of their everyday life it was a part of who he was and when he traveled he gave the message he expects his children please listen he expects his children to give the message that's what he called us to do that's what he saved us to do jesus was enamored with the truth that apart from salvation, people would not be in his kingdom. Now, I'm gonna hammer this today because in America we have kind of gotten lackadaisical inside the church. Oh, Aunt Susie, she doesn't give any evidence that she knows the Lord, but I know she's going to heaven. Really? How many times have I stood beside the bedside of someone that slipped off into eternity, never given any evidence that they trusted Christ, and the family say, Brother Jerry, tell me he or she's in heaven. You see, we have creeping universalism because we don't get concerned about it anymore. Because if we believed it any other way, we'd have to be passionate about it. But listen to me. No matter who you are, no matter who your family is, no matter who your friends are, there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about this thing of you being a, a visual and a vocal witness for Christ? I mean, it's not just about getting together on Monday night at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock to go visiting. In fact, if you... Uh, um, If you read the New Testament, the words of Jesus in the original text, not that I'm proficient, but it's written in present perfect tense. And he says, as you are going into the world, make disciples. So let me give you the good old Creek version of that. Since you're going to be out there anyway, tell somebody. Tell somebody. And you know the sad part? Baptisms are going down because God's people aren't telling somebody. Words are not being spread. I'm going to tell you my concern. Jesus gave this this great commission at the end of the Gospels in chapter 1 of Acts. And you put them all together, and I've already done that. As you're going, make disciples. And then he says in Acts 1, he says, I want you to start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, Samaria, and then the othermost parts of the world. So watch this. Acts 1, Jesus gives them that command. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and 3,000 people are saved. Acts 3, they're still in Jerusalem. Acts 4, they're still in Jerusalem. Acts 5, they're still in Jerusalem. 6, 7, they're still in Jerusalem. At the end of Acts 7, I want you to hear this. A deacon named Stephen had to be martyred. When they martyred Stephen... Finally, God's people spread, scattered, and the church expanded. You know what frightens me about that story? I wonder what's going to have to happen to us to expand the kingdom and the word and the gospel of God. Stephen, a man of full of faith in the Holy Spirit, was killed. Whew. Jesus taught everywhere, everywhere he went the good news of the gospel. That's where he went, everywhere. second thing I want to bring to your attention is what he, is what he saw. You want to, if you still have your Bibles open, go to verse 36. And when he saw the crowds, the multitude, when he saw the people, he saw people where they were. He saw people like they were. And he saw, listen, he saw their deepest need. You know why? Because he was very observant. He saw, he saw what he needed to see. And what he saw, please, please listen, was that all people have a deep need beyond what they even know. You see, folks, we tend to see people through the lens of our culture.
1: <laughs> and,
0: and we're all the same way. We tend to see people through the lens of our culture. We see them. Rich, poor. Young, not so young. I did good. I didn't say old. Handsome and not so handsome. Thin, fat. I mean, the list goes on. We see people through the lens of Culture. But when Jesus looked at people, it was much different, and please listen, it was much simpler. When Jesus saw the multitude, he saw the, he saw the people in two dimensions. He saw people who had a relationship with God, and he saw people who needed a relationship with God. You know why that is? Because all people matter. God. That's why Jesus came. God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. God loved the world so much that He sent His only Son that whosoever would believe in His Son would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus saw the whosoever's. Jesus looked and and He called those of us Who are redeemed. He's called us to see the
1: whosoevers.
0: Make no mistake. They're all around us. The whosoevers are all around us. Every person in this room has someone in their frame of reference, in their friends that you know, who have no relationship with God through Christ Jesus. You interact with them every day. Even as I'm speaking of, speaking of that group, you have them in your mind who, you're, you know, who they are. There's an old adage that says, you can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we can't see our lost friends as lost because of that relationship that covers. Could, could, it be, could it be could it be said of us that we don't see people with this need? Jesus saw people. Jesus saw people. and he saw what few other people can see. but he, but he sees what we need to see. We need to see their need. I think Jesus was driven by what he knew about the future. Are you? Let me just give you one thought. Two times in the Book of Re- Revelation, it said, "God will wipe away all tears from their eyes." And I don't know if you're an inquisitive person, but I am by nature. Questions never hurt anybody. Unless you got something to hide. I'm wondering, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Why in the world, when we the redeemed are in glory, in heaven, with our Creator, why in the world would there be tears there? Why would God have to wipe away your tears? I'm going to give you an opinion. This is not theology, this is Brother Jerry's philosophy. That's something it could be. It could be that the reason God two times has to wipe away tears from the eyes, it could be because now in heaven with him, we have a front row seat to the melee going on, the judgment going on, on earth. And it could be that into our minds comes the picture of those folks who we were our family and our friends, and our neighbors, and our loved ones that we never spoke to, never gave them the offer. And we know that they're going through that. You see, Jesus sees. Jesus sees. Could it be that the reason God wipes away our tears is because we're seeing God's judgment on those that we loved on earth? What a heartache. What a heartbreak. I ask you, how do you see people today? Do you see people as those who need Jesus? Make no mistake. Only Jesus saves. But He will save all people. He'll even save you. If you've never invited Christ. I didn't ask if you're a church member. I didn't ask if you've been baptized. I ask if he's changed your heart. Changed your life. Taken up residence. Walk with you every day. I'm going to say this. If he has, even this reminder and this message makes you see like Jesus sees. So we see where he went. We see what he saw. Watch this. The third thing we see here is what he felt. What he felt. Verse 36. When he saw the crowd, the multitude, he had compassion for them. So says my translation. The translators tried to translate that so we'd get the feel of it and give us a glimpse into the heart of Jesus Some says he was moved with compassion. Some said he had compassion. He felt compassion. He felt pity, some says. And the one that really hits home with me, it says he was heartbroken. When he looked and saw the people, it hurt him deeply. These were the ones He created. These were the ones that He loved. These were the ones that He had come for. These are the ones that He would soon die for. These are the ones that one day He would return for. You see, people are the joy set before Jesus as He endured the cross. He came. He came Joyfully taking the cross. Because when he took the cross, his creation could live if they chose to. We can say church. We can say lost people and unchurched people matter to us. We can say that. But actions speak louder than words. I read a story this week that in October of 2019, Kyler Edmund, 15 years old, was at a house with his five-year-old sister. It was a modest house. They were home alone in Port Charlotte, Florida, when intruders forced the door open. Tyler died in a struggle protecting his five year old sister. He was moved with compassion. He felt it to his inner being. This is the heart. This is the feeling. This is the action of our Lord Jesus. Jesus spoke. Jesus hurt. And Jesus gave His all so that we could have all because all people matter to God. You read the Scripture on where He went, what He saw, what He felt, and then what did He say? Look at what He said. He said, The harvest is plenteous. The harvest is plenteous, is what he said. Abundant, plentiful. You can move that forward, Todd. You know what, guys? I'm either going to speak right after this series, or I'm maybe do it Wednesday night. It was on. If you listen to CJU on our on our devotions this past week, I used it one day. The most of all loved. And live by principles from the Bible in on the creek is the law of sowing and reaping. <laughs> I mean, we expect to get corn, when we plant corn, we expect to get beans, when we plant beans, and when the crop comes in, we know we have to be in the field. Jesus said, Are you listening? He said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said the crops are ripe and ready. We need somebody to go to the field. Think about your crops, whether your garden is big or small, or whether it's a, a big farm. And marry that to the truth that Jesus just said. And think about it in spiritual terms. I've already told you that I am not a farmer. I do my thumb is green. I already told you that. Five weeks I want you to know. You give me your artificial flowers, they will die in my care. But I'll tell you what I do know about, about farming, certainly about fruit. Fruit comes in basically three stages. Now, one of you farmers is going to say, no, there's another stage. But well, that's fine. These three are the three that are big. Green, ripe, and rotten. Green, ripe, and Rotten. Please listen. May it never be said about the field of souls in this place that are our responsibility that we left the fruit of souls in the fields to rot. Brother Jerry, I don't think I believe that. I don't believe that it happened. I don't believe it's right. Well, Jesus said it was right. Dr. Tom Rainer was for years the CEO of LifeWay. Dr. Tom Rainer, by training and profession, he's a surveyor. He does surveys, and then he writes books to tell us what he discovered. and And he did a couple of books after his surveys on the unchurched, the unchurched. And he gave the unchurched, people who do not come, he gave the unchurched, a rating of you one, two, three, four, five. You five were those who are antagonistic when you invite them to worship or when you try to tell them about Jesus. You one are the ones that are ready. They're friendly and they're open. First of all, the antagonistic ones were single-digit percentage, just not that many people. But you know what he discovered? Please listen, folks. He discovered That 82%, that's 82%, that's 8 in 10 people, would attend services if they were invited. Did you hear what I just said? That includes everybody from U1, the friendliest ones, to U5, the antagonistic ones. But you know what that tells us? don 't strangle me i 'm the delivery boy. You know what that tells us? that we are not moved enough like Jesus to even extend an invitation for somebody to come to worship with us i didn 't say to share your testimony, although that 'd be good, that we 're not moved enough to extend that verbal information uh, invitation to come. Now, brothers and sisters, you might not like what I just said, but does that truth even give you a pause? Does it touch us in the deep recesses of our hearts? The fields are ripe. They're white. They're ready. People are open. And the Lord says, go and harvest. And the pickers are not in the field. So Jesus said, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the field. Our need our Lord needs the prayers to become the laborers because he has ripe fields. I share with you a really heavy message and I'm not through. <coughs> I thought you might need to come up for a little air. Music kind of gives us a little breathing room as we hear the message. This song is not a new song. It's an old song sung by Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. But the message, the message is for us today. Because all people matter to God. You'll pay attention to the screen. Together you Souls. Work is a four-letter word, but it's what it calls us to do. This crew knows about working fields. You know that it's hard work. The only hope any person has is Jesus Christ. He says, "Pray to the Lord of the Harvest to send forth laborers." He doesn't need observers. He doesn't need bystanders. He doesn't need spectators. That was his message. But he did one more thing. I want you to see finally what he did. What he did. Now, you can close your Bible. I'm just going to tell you we're not going to read it. Chapter chapter 10, verse 1. He gathered his disciples together. And he empowered them to do the work. Verse 5, he sent them out. Verse 5, he sent them out. And you know why he sent them out? Because all people matter to God. For all of our life, we have sung. We have sung, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Here's what I want to tell you. All people matter to God. But you know how gracious God is? Please listen. God has provided an exclusive way back to Himself. I have said it. You said amen. One way, Jesus. There may be some today who go, man, exclusive. That's too, that's too. And I'm just going to tell you, it is exclusive. Church membership is exclusive. It's limited for people who have trusted and follow Christ. But I want to just say this to you as I end. It is the most fair way that man could ever conceive, except God conceived it. Let me tell you why it's fair. Are you listening? Everyone's invited. Everyone's welcomed, and everyone comes the same way. I want to say it again. Everyone's invited, everyone's welcomed, and everyone comes the same way. There are no shortcuts. But Jesus paid the price because people, people need the Lord. All people matter to God. All people need the Lord.